Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and tonight for our 10th edition of the podcast I'm joined by the original lineup, which is Ed, Ben and Luca. Hi guys. Alright. Hi everyone. Hey everyone, happy to be back. Thank you. Um, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to just review um, Sunday night's match, the derby against Lyon and we'll also give our thoughts for next weekend's match against Toulouse. And finally, as always, we'll run through all the relevant news stories over the last week. So, um, starting off with Sunday night's match, Marseille were at home at the Stade Vélodrome against uh, Lyon um, in the Olympic derby known as the Choc des Olympiques. Um, Marseille were beaten rather humiliatingly 3 nothing at home. How did you guys make, of, what did you make of the performance and the result? I'll go first. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We're not playing in Europe next season. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. We are <laughs> fucking shit. Did you prepare that, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I did prepare it. I thought I do. I want to make sure it was rhyming. Uh, yeah, it was fucking shite, to be honest. But what did you expect? We didn't expect anything worldish. But again, no effort. Coletta Carl is back to his old ways. You know, we might as well just stop half the crowd on the pitch we could have got a better result we could have probably got a draw out of it Leon just made us look like clowns so that's the way it is these days it's it's um, it was a really um, embarrassing performance and result but it's and it's one that we've had in a number of big games in the last two three years but we've kind of not had it as bad like that for a while wouldn't you agree yeah it, it's when you look at the results, like the obviously we have not won against Lyon for like ages. I think last time was when was it last year in the, in the French Cup when we beat Lyon with Doris goal. Um, well, but like you said, like ago. yeah, yeah, like yeah, two years ago. So like you said though, like normally when we play big teams, we usually play well, and then we just make stupid mistakes, and then that ends up being our demise. Uh, but this time with we were just shocking and like funny enough Leon were just as bad as us let's be honest and just scored on just after the game which just completely fizzled out of our hands but like yeah we were sh- like yes the result was the same as the past seasons but this is like the peak of of humiliation because because normally we're quite good and then lose by mistakes this time we're making mistakes and being shit the whole time yeah, I, I, I thought I thought the score the scoreline was was quite harsh and quite flattering for Lyon. Um, having having rewatched the game, they they had what five shots on target. I think we had six. Um, they did they, they created. I think you could you could, we just there was that always impending feeling of doom every time they went forward that they would catch us out or or someone would make a mistake like Amiavi. Um, but it didn't happen too often. I think the biggest mistake that I saw from from the game was um the Kaletica sending off when um, actually having reviewed the hit camera for, for no reason that I can I can figure out because Gustavo and, and Streetman were there camera steps up and leaves and leaves Kinetica exposed so I, I found that, that that was probably the most blatant mistake I saw of, of sort of the whole game in terms of one that led to a goal um, I, I think it's the same old thing I think you know you, Lucan and Ed you've, you've summed it up and, and this game sums up or our whole season, which is yet again another a different lineup. Um, you know, yet again putting putting players back in that probably short of map fitness, such, such as Streetman or, or, or Hadonich. 
Um, and you know, you, you you say that you're at home and you're going to try and cause trouble for for the, up, the opposing team, and and you bench Payet and well, you know, Tilvar understandably because he's coming back from injury, but you bench Payet when he seemed like he was on an okay run of form, and you bench Germain, who's been on an amazing run of form. Yeah, I mean, you you say obviously you say like the score's quite flattering for Lyon, and I agree, like they they showed pretty much nothing going forward, and they were just waiting for us to make the mistakes. But yep. when you look at when you even look at the statistics, like even if you didn't watch the game, it, it's even though Leon were fucking shocking, we actually managed to be worse in every single department. We had less shots, less possession. Um, we did more fouls. We had less corners. Like it's it was awful the whole way through. And as bad as we think Leon were, we actually managed to to play in a way that makes us look even worse at home. Where you know, look, it was clear. There's nothing else to play for. We don't know what we're going to head into next season. We don't know what the coach is going to be, the president's going to be, the the sporting director is going to be, even most of the players. So, like, we know that <clears throat> it's like the uncertainty going forward. So, like, let's play this game and you know, like, bring the fans some joy over this shit season. And literally, from straight from the first second. With um, the kickoff that went straight into the um, into the touchline, but like not on the corner line, like right in the middle of the pitch, you could see that the players didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I know. I know we 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 mock Leon for for when they lose. I know we look at, we mock our opponents, but they made us look like a fucking leader side. They made us look dreadful. They made us look like we were guaranteed relegation. But I have to say, no wonder we look shit. Two days before, we were pissing around paintballing with kids. What kind of fucking idea is that for breast day? Let's go paintballing, no, lads. Let's get ourselves more fucking injured. <laughs> fucking great idea, really. I, I, I mean, I don't know what the fuck happened with that with that team doing exercises three games away from the end of the season. But, I mean, I, I don't blame them for trying new things. Like, we've tried everything. We've tried not having days off. We've tried having days off. We've tried having... Like team building exercises, we tried. Like it's nothing has worked this season to try to turn this ship yeah, around. Yeah, but how's this gonna work? Let's get a, let's get fucking injured before a big game. That's a great idea. <laughs> no, I think he. It was funny. Someone pointed out that Garcia said, um, "Yeah, he said before the game in the in the pre-match interview was saying, oh, I've I prepared for this game the same way I prepared for every other game this season.' I fucking showed. Yeah, and his what next reply was, all? "Yeah, his next reply was." But, well, we didn't train yesterday. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I, I, yeah, I share your frustration there. I think it wasn't paintballing with kids. They went with the um, the French special forces police who got them into, you know, crawling through tunnels and crawl spaces and shit like that. So I, I feel should, I, I, I can crawl. understand it. You, they should crawl. They should they should crawl back to Marseille. <laughs> they should crawl back to pissing homes. It I, should be. I don't. I understand it. If they if they did something like that in pre season or in or in the yeah, you know the, no the mid winter off season, fine. But three days before an important game, Jesus Christ! Your team building three day three days well three games from the end of the season for fuck's sake. Why were you not doing this back in January? Well, yeah, but you, men, would, you would you would have said though if had he, had we got a result, everyone would have thought that that was quite a smart move to do no it's just one of these things no, in, in... nobody would have thought a team building exercise three days three games away from the end of the season is, is smart anyway if but it like, resulted in result... a good performance and a, and a victory I, I don't think people would have been very critical of that i would have i would have said why why now 
You're critical of everything, though, Ed. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm sick to death of this, Ben. I'm sick to death of it. <laughs> we can tell, mate. No, I guess look, back, back to the content of the game, and more frustratingly, is, is the chances we did have. Let's be let's be honest. Anthony Lopez pulled off. He makes his... He always not, adds a bit of, of showmanship, so he does make his saves look more spectacular than they actually are. But, you know, we did have a few shots that looked decent. Ocampos in, in the first half and in the second half. I think there was a double chance where... Um, Acampos had a shot, Lopez kept it out, Tovan got it back and then shot again in the second half. And he saves both. So we, we but again, these chances come out of nowhere. You know, it's not like we, there's a build-up play, it's not like we combine with three players and, and there's like a triangle play, or there's you know, there's someone moving someone else out of position to create space for their teammate. It just seems to be scrambling to try and get any shot on goal away possible. And it's yeah. That is what's frustrating is because with those players on paper, you would think, Jesus, guys, yeah. you know, with a proper manager, we'd expect you to be stringing proper proper football together. But it's, it's just never happened under Rudy Garcia this season. And what, what's funny is um, when you look at like how basically our, our second half of the season has gone, you know, with all the penalties conceded, some of them justified, some of them not. All of the red cards that we're taking, including Kai Tatar, who, like you said, Ben, it's not his fault, but he's just the last man and he's like, I have to sacrifice myself. And again, when you look at the way Leon scored the first goal, you know, when it was deflected right onto Corne's path through shoots and everything. But on the other side, when Gustavo shoots and it's deflected and it goes millimetres out of the post, we have the same, like, bad luck as a relegated team, you know? Like, just things stack up against us every game where we always have to climb out of a hole every game from the get-go. You know, we always play either with 10 men or we concede a penalty or we miss chances, but the team doesn't miss the same chance. Just by, by sheer luck, it's, you know, th- this season is going to be one really to just just to move on from because it's nothing's going our way. And like we said, we're not doing anything to help that. But it's it, it just seems like it's just not meant to be this year for us. Um, I just wanted to go back to a couple of things that, Ben, you mentioned um, earlier on. Um, one of them um, was about um, just the defence, about um, Kamara coming really high up and getting caught out. I noticed in the game on a number of occasions we were getting caught out on the counter-attack and the two centre-halves seemed to be really high up and were having to run back. Um, do you think that that was a, a, a tactical move? from Garcia to play a high line or do you think it's just an experience of the young defenders kind of drifting too far forward? I I blame the opposite, Steph. I I blame Gustavo and Strootman. I mean, Gustavo had a half-decent game, but it was probably one of his his less good games for us. Strootman, clearly short of match fitness, was getting caught out. They were playing in behind him every time. Which, which was causing Camera to, to try and step up and get the ball back earlier for us so that we could actually have a chance when we were going forward. And that, that I, I wouldn't say an experience because I think Kamara was, was trying to play the hero a bit too much. Um, I think he was left exposed by the more experienced players, which is even more worrying at, at this stage of the season in a team that, that is supposedly built around experience that is supposed to manage these games better. So that that's that's what... I'm not particularly frustrated, even at Kaleta Carr, because he, you know, he's he's been all right. He's he's a work in progress. I expect him, if he stays, to be better next season, and maybe with with better teammates in front of him, and hopefully a bloody better goalkeeper behind him as well. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you about Kamara, because I mean, I, like everyone, I'm a huge fan of Kamara in general. 
but he's been trending down for the last few days. And how how much is is that his real real ability, and how much of that is is Garcia is just sinking all of his players one by one? But I mean, yesterday, like you like it's not the, his the first goal is not his fault, right? You know, the deflected uh, goes straight to corner, and then he's behind corner. He can't make a challenge. But the second the the Kaitakar red card is his fault. He just he just basically puts uh, he puts Kaita China in a situation where he has to make the foul. Um, the third goal, um, he just gives the ball away um, as the last defender, and it goes straight to corner. He scores the third goal, and he's made actually like quite a few bad bad mistakes yesterday, which led to not like obviously these two goals and that and that red card, but some big chances that did not end up in goals, so we don't really remember them. But I mean, he had a, he had a shocking, shocking game, and I, I don't know if you can blame all that on on the midfield. I'm sure we're going to go on the midfield because I have a lot to say about that as well. But it's I, I think tactically, yes, there was a problem from Garcia. Maybe he asked them to play too high, but intrinsically, they made some basic, basic mistakes. I would, yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Luca. I think that. Um... Kamara, I've noticed his performances have really dipped in recent weeks and I hope that it's just a period of bad form, but I'm, I'm a bit concerned actually because I think similarly um, Lopez performed really, really well in his first few months in the team and then he kind of sort of stagnated a lot after that, you know, and he, he hasn't really kind of progressed as far or as quickly as kind of well we thought that he would have done and going by his initial sort of performances um so i'm a bit worried that um kamara is also beginning to show signs of either stagnation or even just like his level decreasing um maybe he's not as you know hoping that he's not that it's the case he's not as as good as we thought he was but I, I, I think I think they're all on the beach, to be honest with you, Ben. Uh, sorry, Steph, I think they're all on the beach. But back to the defence. Last night I watched a game where when played Caen. was in the old second division of French football. And they got three or four men sent off and they finished off with eight men. Now, although they lost the game 2-0, they showed more heart and desire than that team produced on Sunday. They may have been kicking fuck out of the opposition, they may have been slapping them and punching them, but they showed more fight and tenacity for the shirt than those 11 players, in particular the defence, last night. That's it's, that's the way it is. They don't show any care. I mean, even in the old days, they were maybe shit, but at least they showed up and turned up the shirt. He's like, eh, paycheck, oh, beach. Hmm, should we go to South India this year? I fancy a trip away from this yeah, Boone Nassar posting a picture of himself by a swimming pool with one of his balls hanging out of his swimming trunks for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Have you guys not seen that? No, I don't want to, Luke. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to Ben. I don't want to. I'd rather not. But I, I, I agree, yeah, it's been difficult for Lopez and Kamara at times, but we've got to bear in mind these guys are still kids, and I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on bashing the, the younger players who have been certainly been amongst our star performers this year in, in what has been a mediocre season compared to the, the older players like Payette, who, who has seemingly been on the beach since fucking October. So, yeah, it, I, I agree with you, Steph, that they have dipped a bit, but I, I fully expect that, that, you know, with a better manager, I think it's the classic syndrome of everybody's lost faith in the coach, everybody's counting down the days until, the days until he fucks off. 
and, and until they know what they're going for and, and everybody gets a bit of re-motivation and, and a bit of a new sort of life breath, breath, breath sorry, breathing into them. Because, yeah, it, I think it's just a classic symptom of every one of our players who've been through phases where they played really well and then others where they've, they've dipped and gone really poor. And it's just, it's down to the manager not maintaining that consistency of expectation. I know, I know you, you can't, uh, like, yeah, like, I'm not going to judge any player bar one or two like on this season because clearly there's there's the problem is higher up and the players even even though like they like like you said Ed like they should for me it's still not acceptable to say it's the coach's fault so let me just give up on this game like you should still show a bit of heart and desire but like, you can't I can't evaluate like especially youngsters like actual like real quality on this season but like you still have to you can't just you know like praise Kamara when he does really good games and then just like skim over it saying like oh you know like whatever but like yesterday was was really really bad and he did like he he cost us two goals and a red card you know like how much worse can it get and you need to highlight it when it is yeah I, I, I think so I think yeah okay we should give a little bit of leeway to the to the young lads but how long do we give them you know do we when they're about 26 27 do they say Ah, oh, he's a young lad. Still, we'll give him a bit of leeway. He only produced, only held up three goals and got sent got sent off. But it's all right. He's only about twenty seven. Uh, it's just, uh, but I would uh, I would be very reluctant to turn up if I knew that there was nothing to play for. The management stinks. The velodrome's like a hornet's nest at the moment, with your balls covered in honey. I wouldn't turn up. I'd be like, oh, great. Let's just get nine minutes, get out of here, and go home. That's the way it should. Where it is at the moment, and I don't blame these players, but they need to. But because of the wages they're being paid, they need to turn up. For fuck's sake, people are paying good money to come to the velodrome to watch you play. If you're not going to turn up, you might as well just refund them, and we can all fuck off. Well, it's likely that um, with the recent form, that people will stop going to the games again. We saw earlier on in the season the stadium looking pretty empty a lot of the time because. We weren't, you know, we weren't playing very well, and people weren't very, very excited about watching the the team. So I do, I mean, I think they're kind of lucky that the 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 season's ending and the transfer window's coming up because I think, you know, people will hopefully, depending on how the summer goes, hopefully, um, kind of move on and start looking forward again, and then yeah. naively I mean, start I, I... going back to the games. But we'll see. On on, on the supporters' note, I, I don't really understand what happened this year because. Like you guys all know, the problem has been pretty clear, and it's been pretty clear that we're not going to get Champions League for what since December slash January. So, like the supporters know how we've been playing since January, and the attendance like stayed in the 50,000, 50, 45,000. Sometimes it dipped, but then still stayed as fifty. And then yesterday, and the last couple of weeks was sixty thousand. And I mean, that have been three years, you know, the Deshaun years and stuff when there's fifteen thousand people. And the ones that are there, you know, they're like, they're making it a really hostile atmosphere for the players. Whereas this year, I mean, this is probably the worst season I've experienced considering the team that we had. And apart from a a few, you know, a few messages in the stands, like you you don't feel any hostility. So I don't know if the direction actually even feel like there's any urgency because they must just feel like, yeah, okay, so some some ultras and some um, supporters are angry against us, but see, they're all turning up. There's still 60,000 people against uh, what we played against uh, Nantes, and there was 52,000 people. Like, what's wrong? They're paying. 
Yeah, the tickets weren't cheap yesterday as well because I, I bought some from a couple of friends of my dad, and, and yeah, it was ninety euros for for the cheap seats in in Guinness. So yeah, yeah, people are still turning up. I think that's look, it's unique to Marseille, and it's it's unique to Liverpool and, and and big clubs like that that have a big fan base and a big history. Where even when the times are shit, I mean, Liverpool went through tough few years with with Hicks and Gillette. Even though the fans were pissed off at them, they were still turning up and trying to get behind the boys. And I think that there is a bit of that going on at Marseille. And there is, a, a, I think, all of this season, people have, have always hoped that, hey, you never know, it's a big game, let's go. If, if we win 2-0 and, and we, we beat the arch enemy, everybody will be happy. Um, it didn't happen, but it's it, it's a credit to the fans. It's, it's just fully a credit to the fans that, you know, they feel that indeed... That they still want to go to the stadium, and again, there were quite a few hostile, hostile um, messages in the stands last night. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I messages. It's not. It's not enough. It's also worth pointing out there was a bit of trouble as well. Um, and the outside afterwards, yeah. Yeah, but um, we can come to that later. Um, I just wanted to kind of go back to the actual game, though. Um, looking at some of the players, um, so. You again, Ben. You touched upon this about Pyatt not being in the the team. Um, I, personally, I was a little bit disappointed that both Pyatt and Tovan didn't start. Although I acknowledge that they've been very poor recently for a game like this, I just would have preferred to see our best players on the pitch. Um, did I, did did that bother you guys at all that they were missing, or do you think that Garcia was right to leave them out of the starting the starting lineup? Well, the the starting lineup, I think. <laughs> Like, again, I don't know how Gasser managed it, but he managed to actually put out 41st different team sheet in 44 games. <laughs> I don't know how that's even physically possible, like, physically possible anymore, but he did. And like you said, like, I, I don't have any problem, like, getting, like, putting Tovan and Pate on a bench. Like, you think they're shit. They have been shit, so fair enough. But the problem is, who are you putting instead of them? And you, put, you chose to put Radonic on the right wing, but I don't understand that because last week, you thought that Radonich was so shit that you decided to put Germain on the right wing, who's never played right wing before. So why are you deciding within a week, after clearly no training has passed, just that team building exercise, you decide that, okay, Radonich is not only good enough to play on that role, but to start. And, like, of course he's going to be shit. Like, he hasn't played in months. At a position that he's not familiar to anymore. And in a team he's not familiar to, and then you say, all right, he is bad. Let's sub him off at half time. It, it's... I mean, it's it's not about, like, I don't understand, it's not about Tova and Payet being on a bench, It it's about who you're putting inside of them, and there's just not better options. Uh, this is a man who is coaching like a moron, who is coaching like he's under the influence of narcotics. Uh, it was a stupid decision. I mean, like Luca said, it's he doesn't, Jaman doesn't fit the right wing. Why play him there? You know, you played Radonich in a difficult position. He's left out to slaughter. It seems like Rudy just has no clue on how to pick a team. And I don't care how poor Payet and Turvan have been. They are experienced players. This is a big derby game. This could be the last big game that those two play in the white and blue of Marseille. You stick them out of them. And if they don't turn up 45, you take them off. You don't leave them on the bench to get all pissed off and angry and have them demanding to the demanding to the agent, get me out of here. This guy won't even play me. And I can understand how pissed off Pyatt and Turban would be. I would. 
Because yeah, don't but, don't blame but, the narcotics though. Don't don't but, give Rudy an excuse, mate. Because Rudy, <laughs> because Rudy smackhead Garcia cannot manage a team. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I, I have. I, play, I, I played football manager and did the influence in that. Yeah, I did as well. Student, mate. I didn't lose. I wasn't I'm losing. Manager, <laughs> I, I played football. I played football manager drunk and I still won four Champions Leagues with Marseille. I didn't get a phone call the next morning saying you come and manage us. I think it's the um beyond, beyond the selection as well. It's just the, the total incoherence of we we played with with five at the back last week. Then we we switched back to yet another system. And again, you put players in positions like Hadonic that they're maybe not familiar with. And, and you, you start Balotelli that we've, let's face it, we've he's not been on great form since he went on that, that run of scoring against shit teams back in March. Um, and and th- one of the reasons he was actually scoring and playing well was was playing with, with Germain. And, and you're at home, you don't play Germain when he's arguably been our best, our best player in the last few weeks. He's certainly been on form and scoring. So if you're not playing him... Why aren't you playing him? Why aren't you trying to put the best team out in, 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 with the objective being to win? And if you need to do that and tweak the system slightly, then do then please do. Yeah, it was a strange decision, wasn't it, to take your man out given that he's been in such good form? Um, it's just but, completely I mean, ridiculous. I mean, Stefan, it, it, it does it like honestly, like every week, everything, every week the formation changes and the players changes, and we sit there and we try to ask ourselves, you know, was this the best decision? What was he trying to do? Was he trying to play the high line with the defenders or not and stuff? Like, we have proof now. Like, we've had proof for the for nearly half the season now that there is no training sessions. They have three days off a week. And now they even have team building exercises after the days of the week. So, yeah, last week he goes for five, five at the back. He They didn't practice that beforehand. And they had three days off. The team building exercise, probably one day of training, which is just like basically fitness and then he puts them in a 4-3-3 with different players together like how it doesn't matter what players are on the pitch or in what system they're playing they're not practicing it so of course it's not going to work they could play in 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 9-0-0 or 9-0-1 and we still manage to concede three goals because they're not practicing it like it doesn't matter like we can't we can't like i'm sick and tired this season especially this season when we change every week of of you know, like sitting there and talking about, like analyzing and trying to like think deeply about it, but it doesn't matter because they're not practicing any of it. They don't have a clue about the what they're doing. Like, what's the point of trying to make like find sense into this craziness? Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Um. Couple of other points just to discuss about the game. Um. Firstly, just about the the crowd trouble. I don't know if you guys saw it. I didn't even really hear about most of it until today. Um, I think there were some issues with like some fans trying to like, um, like break it, get into the VIP area and stuff with the st- uh, um, the stadium, various things like that. Um, issues with um the um with flares um as well. Um, are you? I I'm, I guess um. The worry is with all this is that we end up getting another ban, you know, another stadium ban, and we end up playing more matches behind them, behind closed doors. Don't you think? Well, uh, it is a bit of a worry. Oh, sorry, sorry. You go first. For it, go for it. No, you first. Okay. Um, I don't think we can be. We're not going to have any um, games behind closed doors because the only time that happens is when there's problems with the um, the TV. You know, when they have to delay the start when, of the when game. When there's flares. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The flares seem to be the main concern. But, but we, 
No, we there had w- flares. There was yeah, the there flares. were flares. Yeah, there but was. The only times we get re- like really harsh sentences, like like playing game behind closed door and stuff, is when you know they have to delay games, they have to interrupt games because the TV rights get fucked up with that, and that's when they come down on you. But now we're like we're not gonna, we're probably gonna get a fine for them, but they didn't, they didn't like disrupt anything. Um, doing the actual games. So, uh, in terms of actual serious bans, nothing's going to happen. We're probably going to get a fine out of it. Um, but I didn't hear about that problem with the VAFP fan. That's probably something that internally Aero is going to try to crack down on. Yeah, there was a picture. I saw it earlier on Twitter. Some fans trying to climb up the barrier and, and actually shout abuse at them. And I don't think anybody made the proper effort to actually get in there. I think they just wanted, wanted to be seen in order to express their discontent, which which is normal, you know, and, and let's yeah. face it, it all, it all probably took all, all the VIPs and went and played pool like Bruyne did back back last season or yeah. the season before. So it, they, they, I just don't think he gets it. And quite interestingly, I know I know he likes winding us up, but I, I found um, Jean-Michel Olas's commentary quite quite interesting. Which you know he he wasn't actually slating us. It pisses me off even more because he sounded like he actually pitied us, and he was like, I, I, he got in the lift with with Ero, you know, shortly after the game to go down to the the, the, the sort of VIP lodge, and and Ero looked shaken. He was he was you know he was, he looked like a completely beaten man. He was he was completely in shock at the whole situation, and that's according to Olas. But it's, I could easily believe that. Yeah, no, and Olas's comments, you know, that everyone's like, oh my god, yeah, he's speaking the truth, his knife and stuff. Olas is loving the fact that we're well, of like course situation. He he's like pitying us yeah. like crazy, and he's loving it. He's loving saying like, oh, you know, the fans, the um, the supporters of Marseille are iconic, and then you know they don't deserve this and stuff. He's loving it every second of it. Yeah, well, well, come to think of it, a year ago we were saying we're going to go and win at his place in the Europa League final. I can understand why, but um, <laughs> mate, a year ago we were thinking we were going to smash his fucking stadium. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I think fans. I mean, if you watched the Sunderland Till I Die documentary on Netflix, there were a lot of confrontations with owners and managers. Um, I I've never been a big fan of fan viol- fan issues. Um, if you've got to shout at someone, you know, do you think don't turn up? Just don't turn up for the match. That's all I've got. To join say. a podcast and shout on that. <laughs> yeah. Join a, join a podcast with some fat guy from Rugeley who just shouts abuse at Rudy Garcia every day. That's no, a, it's, not, it's not as bad as it was, though, with the fans. I mean, look, look I, I, I knew Marseille back in the 90s when, you know, fucking they set fire to, to Perez's car, for fuck's sake, at the training ground. They had to get a lift home in, in someone's boot. So it, it's nowhere near that bad. I think. No, that, no it's not, I know it's not bad, Ben. Yeah. Just, it's just, it, it's it, just it's, that when you've got the eyes of the world on you, well, eyes of Europe. You know, it's not. It's not pleasant. Yeah, Just but you know, we're we're all in that position. We're all frustrated to the point. We're that all... What? How are we going to make ourselves heard? How are we going to get the message across that we want rid of the coach, and ideally we want rid of the fucking manager, the fucking chairman as well. Do you know, Ben? That that thing though, like that example you gave about Perez's car. There's been other incidents like that about players getting, you know, attacked and stuff in the car park. That's not good, and that's that's not. not on. That's not on. Yeah, it's absolutely not on, Ed, and it's it's not going to encourage players to of come not. here. Players are going to look at this club and go it. like, "Why am I going to go and play there?" Like, why, you know, why would you want? Why would you want to play play in a place where you get attacked? You mean, you yeah, might, do you, well, we all remember the, the Lucho Gonzalez situation where he got, you know, he got taken hostage in his own home and they nicked all his stuff and you know apparently held his, his 
his daughter to gunpoint. Nobody wants further. to hear that. But but let's face it, at least they were pulling their weight back then. So it was keeping yeah. people in check. God knows why it's not happening anymore. I think the club have actually hired some private security for the players and stuff, which is good. But, but you know, people are running out of ways to express their discontent. So what we saw last night was nothing compared to what has happened in the past. I've got an idea. Instead of, you know, shouting and holding daughters' kids hostage, why don't we just not buy merchandise? Let's hit them where it hurts. Let's not buy... Don't buy tickets. Don't buy scarves. Don't buy shirts. Don't buy anything with that badge on. Yeah, I'm very. No... I, I find it very surprising. Back exactly on your point, Ed. That, that the same fans who were in the virage, who are behind the goals, who fucking less than ten years ago went on strike before a, a Champions League quarter final against Bayern Munich, are now seem to be like sheep. And we, we hear these stories of the fans meeting up with the players and Rudi Garcia and Nero a few weeks ago. And then you get you get the, the sort of feedback from it, and it's all oh yeah, it was all fine, you know they they understand. Then no, no, we had a we had a, a, a constructive conversation. So then, for folks' sake, that's the time to voice your discontent. Yeah, yeah I know, I know all, but yeah. there's there's an issue. Like obviously, we we see this, and we're like you know in the in the good old days, this this would not have happened like that, and people wouldn't have wouldn't have like acted like that and let this slide, but. You know, we we know what happened with the Yankees. Um, we know all the threats about increasing the um, the fares of the season tickets and stuff. We know all the all the fans that have been put into um, like into like they've been arrested and stuff. Um, so you know, like there's quite a lot of oppression on on the ultra on the ultras and stuff. So it's you know it, it, it it's difficult to ask them. You know, like oh, like really show discontent and, and say do things more like beyond just a simple message, but you know, they're, they're, like, facing repercussions every day for no reason. So, you know, maybe they're starting to think, well, it's not, like, it's not worth it anymore, you know? Well, that's what, that's what, that's my, that's my suggestion. That's, that, I mean, just don't buy anything. Just, just, uh, let's, let's not be, let's not kill ourselves. Let's not go back into the days where we're kidnapping players' daughters and burning their cars. Let's just say it as it is. We don't, we think you're shit. We don't want anything to do with you. We're not buying anything. We're going to make sure your wages are going to hit the fan. Don't buy season tickets, shirts, whatever. I appeal to every Marseille fan who listens to this. But then they will listen to buy, the podcast. <laughs> don't, don't. But we're not charging, are we? Don't listen. Don't, don't, don't buy any Marseille merchandise until change happens. That's what I say. Hmm. Right, okay, so um just want to um, move on from that uh, point, actually, and just one more thing I wanted to discuss was about, from the game, yesterday was about Balotelli, he was getting, he was getting really frustrated about um, with the referee, and in the, at, at the end of the game, I think he, he was seen on camera, or was heard on camera, complaining about referees in France being the worst referees, or, or something along those lines. Um, do you think that actually, like, he was... He had much to complain about yesterday um, in the match in terms of the sort of decisions and that were um, in, in the play that he was involved in. He's right, but no. Sorry, Mario, you were no, you were nowhere. You might as well just fill your spot with a blank uh, cardboard copy of you, cardboard cutout of you, and stuck that out front. It would have made more of an impact. Sorry, but the, the only point, the only place, the only like area where he had a point was. Um, when Lopez Lopez came out of his of his own net and then um, like dived and then Mario like got a yellow card for touching Lopez. Um, but apart from that, you know, like 
the morale, like, that was not a penalty. And the thing is, like, you know, you just know every Marseille-Lyon games like this, they pick on a, a couple of players and then frustrate them, frustrate them, frustrate them, frustrate them. And Balotelli is, you know, it's like, come on, you would think after, because he's, every game he's being picked on by the opposing team because they want him to flip his shit, right? You'd think that he'd have some experience in it. But no, every time, every time he falls into the trap and starts... Like, you know, like gets his head out of the game and starts fighting and starts like, like, you know, he gets tackled and instead of getting back up and like tracing the ball, he argues with the referee and you're just like, oh, cut, what are you, mate? Like, like people are calling, you know, they're like, oh, Marty's not going to stay, you know, like, because but I don't want him to stay. Like, mate, you've been great for the first couple of months, but you've just shown what you've always been. And it's just a really selfish player who's, who, who's quite stupid when it comes to like like arguments with players in opposition okay um i think we'll just finish up on the game um and sort of move on to ne- to next weekend's match now um so we're up against toulouse away from home um what are your thoughts and sort of predictions for that game I have absolutely no thoughts about it <laughs> <laughs> i've got i've got zero expectation at this stage i think it will be a draw yeah, how can you? What what can you expect the players to? There's nothing. There's nothing to left do. to play for, and it's let's be honest. It's been <clears throat> it's been the case for a few weeks now. There's nothing yeah. to play for, and especially away from home. Apart from Gangon, which has probably been our best our best away perform well one of our best away performances of the season a few weeks ago. There's nothing else to play for. There's nothing to expect. <laughs> I, I I I fully expect Rudy to to come up with a forty second different team sheet and and try. Free at the back again. Who fucking knows? Well, you know? that might not be a bad thing. Um, I, I guess now that there's nothing to play for, it could be a good opportunity to play some of the young players. Do you think he will do that though? No, I don't. I don't think so. But it, like, and even if he does, or even if it's like, like you know, it's like all oh, the players have nothing to play for, so the pressure's off and stuff. You can't expect the players to to like fight or anything. Like they're like us, you know, they're done with the season. They're tired. There's nothing to play for. The atmosphere is shit. Like, how can you expect them to to go out there and give it their all? It's just subconsciously they're burnt out as well. Hey, do mm. you got any thoughts about the game? Yeah, I'll be going out. To be honest with you, I can't be bothered with it. You know, let's just uh, let's let's just put on a show. Let's just all turn up, put some techno on. Let's just do rapid shit and run around like this chickens. That would make me laugh. That'd be worth turn. That'd be worth watching in the morning because personally. I could not give less of a fuck. Yeah, and unless they, unless serious changes and, and things come to light in the next ten days, these these last two games are just going to be a, a washout, and they're going to be extremely pointless. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm starting to feel like they might be a little bit like the preseason friendlies, you know, um, just a bit kind of lifeless. Um, but none, nonetheless, like if you know, if if there was an opportunity. Of bringing in some new players and giving them a chance, it would it could be an interesting um, opportunity. And um, you know, yeah. given given that there is nothing to play for, you know, you know, and the pressure well is sort of relieved to some extent, and that um, they're not they don't have to achieve any results other than maybe trying to appease the fans. Um, it might be an opportunity, like it, it might be the right kind of space for players to just. Maybe be a bit more expressive with a football. So yeah, sometimes be, yeah, you can be surprised, you know, in those kind of situations. It may actually be more. We might 
we might get to enjoy a bit more football than we have done. Who knows? Yeah, you're right, because the pressure's off. I mean, the, what I, the only thing that would make me watch a game and make, make it interestingly interesting and appealing to me is if if we gave a few of the players like Chabrol, Philippe Adou, Diaz, some of the ones that we've signed, allegedly signed professional contracts, give them a bit of game time. I'd watch the game. I'd watch it and see what they're worth, even though the context is shit and I wouldn't expect much. I'd just be happy that, hey, we, we, we told them we'd give them pro contracts. We told them that they would be part of the first team. Let's Let's give them a go now. We've got nothing to lose. Yeah, but these players need to be like I know it's no pressure and stuff, but these players because they're young, they need quite a lot of like tactical structure and stuff. They're not training, they're not practicing, so they're going to come in and they're they're just going to get slaughtered because they they probably they train a lot more how... in the reserve team than they are in the pros actually. <laughs> yeah, well, but like that, that there's yeah, no come to think that what will Rudy's team building activity be this week? Making Toulouse sausages or making a cassoulet? <laughs> probably this be his next shadowy. grand idea. But like the the issue is not that the the pressures off it is nothing else to play for is the issue the problem is still there. Garcia is still coaching these players. These players have been trying to get them fired for like five months now. It still hasn't worked. They just can't like they can't. They, they're probably going into work and they can't bear to see him. You know, and that's not gonna that's not changed. That's not changed since yesterday. He's still there. So like it's not going to change anything. Hold that thought about Garcia because I do want to talk about him a bit later. Um, can I just get your predictions um, for the score? I think one one, one one draw, ball ball draw. Okay, Luca. Uh, I don't know. Um, what did they do last week? They drew. Oh, they just drew. Oh my god, Toulouse is shit. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Toulouse but awful. We're we're worse, arguably. Yeah. So Toulouse just drew against Amiens nil nil, then drew against Rennes, then lost against Saint Etienne, then drew against Monaco um, Lille, and then lost against Montpellier. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find a, a draw. We're gonna draw against them. Okay, what score? Are we gonna score? <laughs> like, like, I said the nil nil. Like, who gives a fuck at this point? Okay, Ed, um, what is your score for next weekend? Uh, one nil Toulouse. Okay, right. So I think I'm gonna see. One one, yeah, I think one one, one, one yeah. Um, don't expect too much, but hope, I'll watch it anyway and hope for for a surprise. Um, yeah, of I'd, course I watch it. I don't actually expect Garcia to to blood any youngsters, and I just don't think he's the type of manager that would do that. Sadly, and even in his last few games. But anyway, we'll see. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to run through a few news stories, although we've kind of covered a couple of them already. Um, there's a few others though worth mentioning. So, firstly, um, just tonight, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, there's been sort of reports floating across the internet that Garcia is about could be about to get the chop anytime soon. Um, I think our MC have reported that it's an inevitability. It's just a matter of when. Do you think Garcia is going to make it to the end of the season, or do you think? Um, they are going to um, let him go before that. What's the point of well, letting him go before that? It's a statement, I guess, isn't it, to the fans to say that we, yeah, we are also not happy about things. That I, that that's the only reason I can imagine. Yeah, that's a great statement. We're so incompetent. We should have sacked him in December, but we're going to sack him now when we got when we got fuck all hope. Let's just hope yeah, RFC uh, are right. Let's just hope uh, he's right. I think he's. Yeah, I think his credit's gone. I think I think Iroh's realised that he's 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 taken him for a ride. <clears throat> the, the, the investments have been poor. I think I think Zubizarreta 
I would imagine has been very quiet purposefully because he's he's mo- making the motions and making moves in the background to say to him, oh, no, you know, I told you I was right about this. I'm right about all these youngsters like Lee Hadji and, and these guys that have been supervised by the biggest clubs. Um, and and it, it's, yeah, I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's a surprise. I think it, it is, it is in motion. The wheels are in motion for him to be sacked. I think that they will try and find some sort of financial agreement with him or, or as stubborn as the idiot is, he'll probably, you know, he, he'll probably won't come to an agreement and he'll expect the full payoff. Who knows? Well, yeah, I think I think the only the only way like us fans actually survived through the end of the season was, you know, saying that he can't get fired during the season because of this like this mythical clause, you know, that if we fire him before, then we have to pay him like ten million. So I, I don't. I, Are you saying the clause isn't isn't active if we fire him at the end of the season? Well, you know, people people and journalists have have been talking since he got he got extended that. Um, that extension was linked to whether or not he would get to the Champions League. And obviously, if we fire him before the goal is officially failed, then we have to pay up to fire him, you know? So we don't have to pay up if he leaves at the end of the season? Well, the, pro- the problem is nobody knows. The problem, people, have, have, people have been thinking, people think that that's what's in the clause, that you can't be so fucking stupid to extend the contract of someone in mid-December and not give, like, you know, loopholes in case he doesn't meet the objectives. So that's the only reason why I think most fans actually made it this far without having a heart attack. He's saying, you know, let, let's just wait out until the end of the season and then we can fire him. So I don't I don't see why we'd not wait another two games now, you know? Like, if it's a money issue, then let's just wait out another two games that don't mean anything, regardless. Even if it's... The, the the assistant coach in place, these two games are not going to mean anything anyway. So let's just leave him on. There's no statements that are going to be made if you fire him now. There's literally nothing and no value, no value added. So let's just wait. Maybe if that clause exists, then you save some money to get a new coach and then you, you start fresh. Okay. Uh, you guys get any uh, extra, any final thoughts on that? It's just, yeah, I, I just hope that the only productive thing we can do now is, is if if we have any ambition for next season to try and actually do something, you know, start, take the decision, even if you tell him and announce it at the end of the season, take the decision, start working on who comes in next, start working on who that person wants to transfer targets. And, and let's, let's just not fuck ourselves over like we have done the last two summers by waiting until August to actually sign someone. It's already mid-May. It's already mid-May. So like, we want to bring in a coach with ideas. He's going to, well, we're going to find him end of June. He's going to sign end of June, hopefully. And he's only going to have a month. He's only going to have just July before the start of the next season starts to put in his ideas. Like, it's already too late to mm. find a new coach. I, I, I know what you're saying, Luca, but I, I also kind of don't agree with that because uh, I think clubs often, you know, Managers leave at the end of the season. They bring in a new manager. I think it can be done, but it would, yeah, it would be good if they um, if they already know who their man is and that's already in place. Um, I doubt it. Knowing um, Ero and the the OM sort of management structure because of how slow they are with transfers and things like that, I doubt they've been um, particularly quick in getting a successor in for Garcia. But we never know. Um, I hope to be sort of pleasantly surprised that they've got someone lined up already that is suitable and ready and knows what the job is, what they're going to be doing and has already started thinking about things like 
what players are they going to bring in? What players are they yeah. going to ship out? We'll see. Um, personally, like I, had, I do have a feeling that we'll end up with Laurent Blanc. I know he was he's been linked with uh, Leon a lot. Um, I'm going to cry. I know, and it's not something I'm terribly excited about, but I do suspect, and I, I think he's the kind of... But I think this all depends on whether Erho's still there. I think if Erho's still there, then I think we'll end up with Laurent Blanc. I think he's the kind of guy he'd bring in. Cause he's he's the same as Garcia. Yeah, he's he's, the same. yeah I know, and that's another conversation. I don't, I don't really want to get into that, but um, I think mostly part, part of it, you bring him in because he's probably someone he's heard of. You, you've, you've got to love Twitter, though. There's, there's loads of rumours. I mean, the latest one today from some supposed insider was that they were talking to Ancelotti. I mean, for fuck's sake, come on, really? What? Really? Yeah, come on, right? But but the, I, I think um, the um, if he, if Ero is gone as well, then I think we we could find ourselves um, really delayed plans and moving into next season. We could find ourselves possibly starting the season with uh interim coach things like that i think it could end up being quite messy unless um McCourt is really able to you know quickly like bring in you know replacements. i honestly don't think arrow's leaving i honestly do not think arrow's leaving right well we'll see um we'll see but I, I wouldn't i mean we certainly couldn't rule it out at the moment the way things are and how dissatisfied everyone is and i'm sure the owner's really dissatisfied as well um, and one of the thing, I think one of the um, the stories that I, I'd read online tonight about that I had I had I can't remember what site it was from, um, not a great source, but um, when it was um, I think they were saying that it was McCourt that was um, insisting that Garcia's time is done. So, and we we talked about that a few weeks ago that um, you know the rumours circulating that McCourt was ready to kind of intervene and make some changes so we'll see Arrow's not safe either I don't feel but we'll see um yeah so um I think we'll just can worry about time actually just a few things I wanted to ask you before we finish up um tonight um on a I mean sticking with the Leon theme right from tonight um I saw um some uh, an article somewhere online in the last week from in the build-up to the game, and it was it was comments from Martin Terrier's um, agent claiming that well, explaining why uh, Terrier didn't sign for Marseille, um, and he he explained that the main reason was that when in I think January two thousand and eighteen that window, when he signed he signed for Leon because Leon were willing to loan him back to. Strasbourg for the the remainder of the season and Marseille weren't. Um, well, that was one of the main things, and maybe he's also talked about lack of um, conviction with the deal. Do you think that is that a, a, an act that you regret having seen uh, Terry um, perform this season? And do you think that we would have been yeah do we, would we have been right not to want to take him in, not to want to let him out, or wanting to take him in immediately? Yeah, yeah. I, well, apparently this is a recurring theme where it's it's with with already with the previous um, direction that it just seems to be everything transfer related. The Marseille seems to be extremely complicated and extremely 
um, long-winded and, and apparently is a total, well, the, the, the recurring theme that keeps coming back is the lack of flexibility. And Luca, you, you touched on it earlier this in March when we started doing the podcast, saying why the fuck aren't we signing players now and saying you can join us in the summer or, or you can join us at, at the end of next season or something like that. And it's, is it a lack of foresight? Well, quite clearly it is because arguably if, we, if, if the objective we will see this summer was always to cash in on Tovar and, and you know, get the cash and, and reinvest. Then Terrier, for the, the fee that Lyon signed Terrier for, that was his ready-made replacement because he's a left footer and who cuts inside and, and gets goals. So it, it is frustrating on that aspect because I've, I rated him and I thought he was fantastic at Strasbourg last season. He caused those problems when we played away there. Um, but it's the, the context isn't favourable for young players coming into Marseille it never has been, um, and especially with a player like Garcia, who clearly his objective was to invest on experience with Streetman. Yes, he brought in Coletta, Carl and Radonich, but you played neither of them for six months. So it, you just knew that if you signed, you knew that you would you would be putting yourself at risk of either not playing or playing as part of a shit team and, and not playing European football. And I, I don't blame the lad. Look, at, look, he's going to be playing Champions League next season. Yeah, it's... um. I think when you look at the actual player, like, yes, he's a, obviously a young prospect and he, it would have been interesting to get him. But like Ben said, the, the context is just not favourable. Like Marseille and the fact that it's Garcia, you know, he would have probably ended just like Chaitatsa, um, like Radonic and Chaitatsa in the at the start of it. Um, but, you know, it, it's... Uh, they must know it. I mean, they're, 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 we're not smarter than they are. They're intelligent people, especially Zubizarreta. You know, you you know, in the in a winter win in the winter transfer window, it's completely different to the summer one, right? Because the only play, the only way you're going to get a player is is either it's a player that's either bad that on that's unwanted or that's not getting any game time, right? And you might get him like Payet, for example, or a good young and up and coming player. But if you want him now, you have to overpay for him. Yeah, you have to like just line yourself with whatever the club's asking for, like Sanson. Or you just say, we'll buy him now and then we'll loan you back out. Because a, a team that's playing for relegation or mid-table, they're not going to just sell you mid-season their best player. Because they could just be like, well, we relied our whole game plan on him. Like, we're just going to get relegated. So no, it's, like they know this. So why are they saying... We need this player right now. Well, you're just not going to get him. A good up-and-coming player, if you want him, you have to either have to overpay him in a winter or just loan him back out for six months. And what's, what's the harm in loaning them back out? I mean, Frankie de Young is being loaned back out. I'm pretty sure Barcelona is not unhappy that he stayed in Ajax for another six months. So, um, um, kind of related in terms of our um, management, um you know, plans in terms of um, signing players. Is, I'm just thinking about um, the contracts for Kamara and Lucas Acampos. So both players have been, there's been talks about them, well, they've been in talks, well, Kamara and Acampos, I believe as well, have been in talks about renewing their contracts because of when they expire. Um, not in this not this season, but um, I mean, correct me wrong, if I'm wrong, maybe the next season, I believe. But yeah. um, both players, they seem to have there seems to have been a bit of a, a stalling of, of, of the process and we've not really heard any update 
about what's happening. We see, we'd heard recently that Kamara was close to signing a new deal. Then that seems to have not happened. Well, Campos has kind of gone quiet. Um, do you think that there's a worry that we're going to lose these players? Well, Ocampos had an interview with La Provence um, a couple of days ago where he, he basically said, you know, like, my, my two daughters were born in Marseille. Um, it's obviously money will play a big part, but it's not all about the money. It's not just the highest bidder that's going to that's gonna buy me, you know. Um, he, just, he just needs to know, he just needs to have assurances as to where the team is going and what's going to be his role. Um, so I th- I think he's probably waiting for that more than anything else. I think in terms of contracts for Camara and Ocampos, you know, the agents, like, they're intelligent as well. They're, they're probably waiting to have more clarity over who's the coach, um, what's the direction, what's the direction of the club before they're going to sign a new contract. Because otherwise you just sign your player to four years of potentially mess. <laughs> they're probably not going to stay then because nobody knows what, and nobody's expecting very much, are they? So Well, yeah, you're not yeah. going to sign a contract in a company that might burn to the ground in the next six months. So, you know, they're probably waiting it out because they have, like you said, they have another year. They don't have to rush. So the club's probably saying, like, that's not the priority right now. So they're just going to hold off. Now, should we sign them? Of course. I think Ocampos and Camara are probably both in our top three of players of the season. So, of course. And they, they're not that expensive. They don't cost that much in terms of salary. So let's just let's just increase their wage. Great. So we can also keep the top clubs snapping at the heels, but what? Well, who knows? It just that's all I've just got to say. This summer's going to be a weird, weird one. I can remember the one where a couple of seasons ago, when the project was just coming about, that was weird. I think this is going to get even more bizarre because now we're going to have we could have a whole new starting eleven by the start by August. That's how weird this can get. Personally, extend their contract, whatever they want. They want a golden Ferrari. Let them have it. We've got to keep these players because without them, we'd be fucked. That's all I've just got to say. Yeah, I think they're just playing the money game. I think it's classic agent agent things where they're going to wait for the summer. They're going to say to it, or look at how shit this season has been. Look at how how the manager put at risk the career of, of Kamara, for example, by putting him in the team, then taking him out again, and then putting him back in. Look at all these other teams trying to come in for him. This is what they're offering. This is what we want, and we're, we're just going to have to pay. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, about this, about like pay them whatever they want. Um, I really don't agree with this anymore because we've always Marseille has always been the club that's been overpaying players for no reason because you know we're one of the biggest clubs in France. We always play for the Champions League or nearby, so there's no reason why we always have to overpay for players. But for some reason, we we seem to just give anyone 300k. And the problem is not that we give that person 100k; is that this becomes the new ceiling, and then everybody wants 300k. So, like, I'm not, like, for me, a big mistake would be to just without without like just blindly giving the wage we're giving to Abdino to Kamara. Because then every youngster is going to want to have three hundred K. And then you just you know you, how how are you gonna argue against it? So you we need to have stricter stricter policies regarding wages because then it's now is overblown. We have five players on a PSG level salary. It's crazy. Like, we can't afford this. So let's not give them whatever they want. Let's not give anyone whatever they want. We need to have a very well-defined ceiling in terms of wages. And then Tovin won't be earning twice more than Fakir. You know? 
Yeah, and there's um, just just do what other teams that have young players do. Give them a you know performance and an objective related, you know, um, salary increases, and that, that's that's probably the best way to look at it. Um, okay, um, so just before we finish off, a couple of um, transfer links actually to discuss. Um, so both names we mentioned before, to be honest, are not new, new really to us. So first one, goalkeeper, um, the Comte from Montpellier um, so his name's been floating around for months um, and I think this week as well he's made some comments about kind of opening the door to um, saying that he you know that he'd, he'd obviously um, be interested to consider them given that they're a big club in France um, a move that you you would be happy to see us go for and is it one that you think's realistic at the moment if he was 26 yes but he's thirty odd. I don't want him. He's this is the this I don't is think the he's same. Old, I don't think he's as old as that. Um, how old is how old is he? Know, he must be like, let me check. I think he's about twenty. I think he's twenty seven. Twenty seven. Oh, so I'm not far off. Well, yeah, but it's still like, if he's a good goalkeeper, he's a good goalkeeper. He's better than what we've got. I mean, the, the, the worrying thing, the Lacan story was there. The Brice Samba fucking link was quite yeah, worrying. Because that is terrifying. We, we've we've had had I think I must have just skipped over that one. Ed, they're coming for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 the police on the background? Yeah. Uh, it's the that, private that, private security club. The, the it, it holds on to you, mate. That's the CRS and Garcia with their batters ready to go. Right, what have you said about me? I'm going to have a ten out. In- I think um, I think going back to Lecomte, I'm, I'm I've been a huge fan of him since he played for Lorient. When after his first season for Lorient, I thought we should put him on our radar because he was very very promising. I mean, he he still made quite a few mistakes, um, but again, he was the, the goalkeeper of the bottom of the league so obviously you're always going to make mistakes when you're the goalkeeper at the bottom of the league but uh, he thought he was promising and when he moved to Montpellier he, he he completely shifted level he he was great last year nearly you know like nearly made no mistakes at all and was great this year he's been he stagnated a little bit um he didn't have the progression that he expected and the club expected to have because you know he had aspirations and clear aspirations of being in a French team and um I think he broke it into one of the squads but you know, he's really like the third slash fourth choice goalkeeper. Um, but I mean, he's yeah, he's 27. He still has seven, eight years in his tank. Like, I think we should go for him. I think he's the best man for the job. And if Montpellier don't make um, don't make it to um, Champions League, clearly they're not. Like, you know, why wouldn't he move to Marseille? It's, it's, it's a bigger club, bigger ambitions, bigger, bigger salary. Well, let's go for him. Anything is going to be better than Mandanda at this point. But let's let's get for someone who's an international and Lecomte is just that. Yeah, well let's let's sign him, but let's not throw the kitchen sink at him. Remember he's twenty seven. We'll probably have to sell him in seven years. Seven years. It's seven years. Do you know how long seven years is? We have to we have to plan ahead, Lucas. I I don't think we can um assume that he'll last that long because look at Steve Mandanda, he's not that old as well and he's playing like he's about a hundred. He's no, but Mandanda's got diet issues. Mandanda's 34. Got... I think he's 33. Yeah, but... And Lecomte is 28. There's five years difference between the two of them. There's um... also 50 kilo difference between the two. <laughs> yes, but I mean, Mandanda, he was never slim, but he's in the last year or so, he's, he seems to be a lot 
But actually, I mean, that's another conversation for our time. The amount of players that seem to be getting overweight with us, but um, the I'm just saying that you can't assume that all goalkeepers are going to last way into the you know the thirties because they don't all do. And Mandanda's an example, one who's clearly just had a rapid decline in his early thirties. Um, so we don't know about the comp, but he's definitely he should definitely have at least three seasons, three seasons, you know, at the same level that he's at, you know. I don't, know, I don't really agree with this because Mandanda is, is is an outlier in this. The fact that when you're 34, there's a, a clear he's just stepped off the cliff. I, I literally 99% of goalkeepers go well into their 30s and are still at the same level. Um, yeah. Obviously, not not as far as Buffon, who's 41, but. Most of them go into their 35, 36, and they're still at the same level they were when they were 20. Like, Mandana is a big outlier, and I think it's because his diet is shit, and his analysis, like his self-reflection, is shocking. He still thinks he's got the body of a 20-year-old who can make the same saves and is just as good as when he was the number one for France. You know, I'm, surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised they're putting on weight, because we never fucking train. What? What, 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 do they do? what do they have? Do they have the, all the best Marseille takeaways on speed dial? Ah, oh, crap, train's cancelled. Okay, I better get a kebab then or a pizza. That's the way it is. But, yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Geek got look at Peter Shilton. He was uh, still number one for England when we got to World Cup semi-finals in Italia 90. It's possible, but Mondonda is overweight. He reflects like he's Mr. But he's Mr. Big I Am. I really think the trouble with he is he went to Palace and he had his conference shot to pieces. I don't think he's really regained that level of he was before he left. That's my view. But he got injured as well. Yeah, I think his injury screwed him over. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want to talk too much about Mandanda though, because that's a, a, another topic. But um, but yeah, Lecomte so, is a big yes. Lecomte yeah, is a so big Le yes. Is a yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, actually, I, I mean, I've been talking to my my dad about this actually, and again little bit biased this family but quite like the name goalkeeper Bernardoni I think he's decent no he's, I think he's quite decent and he's young he's only 21 I think he's got promise to him. I like him as well I like him as well I'll be honest but he's yeah. owned by Bordeaux so Bordeaux's yeah, never going to sell us their goalkeeper they're not going to I don't think Bordeaux are going to keep him they've got Costi and I, I don't really think they've got tight they're not going to make room for him any time in the next couple of seasons I think they'll end up having to sell him he's not going to sell him to us like Sadran, Sadran always triples his price when it comes to Marseille. Sadran is, Sadran is Toulouse. Bordeaux is New Orleans now. Yeah, Bordeaux. Trio, back in the day would, would have screwed us over. But yeah, now they've got American days. guys, don't they? I don't even think they even yeah, care. They're just as cruelous as we are. They, 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 you know, we, we talk about how bad our season's been. There's been a lot fucking worse than ours has. No, Yeah, they still ended up beating us. That's the summary of our season. They're in the shit and they're still kick, kicking our asses away from home. Hmm. Right, okay. So, um, final um, story was in our transfer link. It was, um, again, a player that's been mentioned before and he's been like with us, seems for like for an age. Um, seems to come up every few weeks over the last year. Um, it's uh, Dalbert Enrique, or Enrique Dalbert, you know, left back for Inter Milan, used to play for Nice. Um a player that you would like to see at Marseille? Depends which one we have. Um, when he played for Nice on that season when they were on the podium, he was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. And that's why he signed for Inter Milan for 30 million. But he's, I mean, talk about stepping off a cliff. Like, I'm not sure if you guys 
Like I, I, I haven't seen that many. I've seen two or three Inter Milan games since, um, since we've been linked with him, and he, he is right now his level is worse than Amavi. Honestly, he is shocking. He is mm-hmm. shocking at the moment. So you think yeah, he'll think... end up being another like kind of Abdenur type signing? That well, yeah, I, I don't think <sighs> we should sign him. Like I mean, we yeah. can take the risk, but but I mean, if you talk about in terms of assurances. There's no assurance. He's big risk, big reward, big reward. They, but they will want some, big risk. some serious money for him as well. They will want in the region yeah. of fifteen million, I reckon. Yeah, but I think Brazilian, it was maybe so that, suggested about a loan deal, you know, and then with an option yeah, to buy. Well, fuck that. We want we want long term solutions. So if if we do that and we somehow offload Amavi and and we start playing Dia, who's the youngster, a bit more, then fine. Then okay. No, it's not Dia. Sorry, I, I forget his name on the left. Uh, Rockier. Maybe. Yeah, no, no, the, the other kid that we've just N-Kunku. signed. Nkunku. Yeah, if we start giving Nkunku some game time, then yeah, fine. But if we sign him and we just switch between him and Avavi and they're both as shit as each other and we've spent 15 million on him, no fucking way. There's, the money's better spent elsewhere. And it's it, it, this is the problem that Marseille has is because we've, we've screwed ourselves over the season, we're now going to go and have to try and find bargains of, of semi-good players who aren't playing regularly for their teams so that their teams would be re- ready to offload them. I'd rather we go to a team like Strasbourg and take one of their best performers who plays consistently and who maybe will cost us 10 million like Kenny Lella, but at least the guy's on form and he's still got potential, you know, instead of getting a husband that's been on the bench half the season somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, like, I... I agree with that initially, but there's, there's a, I've got a similar concern. But Lala is with Lecomte. Both players, I, I mean, I, if, they, if we sign them, I'll be very happy. But and then I do, but part of me sort of worries, well, actually, they're both like 28, you know? like them, And we've got a problem that we've continually signed guys that are in their late 20s, you know? And now we have suddenly we've got a really old squad. Um, so I don't, yeah, I'm a bit, I'd be a bit worried about that. So, um, it's true. If you if you blew, if you blew the youngsters at the same time though, and then you progressively, you know, in two years' time, when when they are clearly on the way down, you, the youngster takes over, and then that that should be the plan. That's how every other club works. Yeah, I, I think I think we should we should look into like we want to go for obviously a younger a younger feel to this squad because it's clearly too old. But not only should we also find a balance and find some twenty seven and twenty eight year olds. But we should, I think, the mistake we had is we tried to find big names, you know, from big leagues. And the problem with that is that the Serie A and the Premier League wages are incredibly higher than the French ones. So we've had to line with line up with, obviously, their demands, which are Premier League demands and Serie A demands. Whereas if you pick these players from the French league, they're used to league earned demands. So the, 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 the signing on fee, the wages, the, the transfer is going to be a lot less. And... With them, you have assurances that they can perform in that league. So I think we should. We I think we should go for that. I think Lala and Lecomte, I'd be thrilled with them, honestly. Okay, um, I think with that um, comment, we'll probably finish up um, for tonight. I think we've kind of covered everything that we, we wanted to cover tonight, um, and we'll probably. Um, just sort of run over time but um, yeah thanks very much guys for taking part cheers guys thanks as always speak soon cheers guys and thank you everyone for listening tonight and um, don't forget to rate review and subscribe us on iTunes thank you